This is Strange Assembly episode 220, Gen Con 2017 preview. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. Joining me today are Jay Earl. Hey. And Mike Cook. Hello. And from our uh, very sneaky episode title, you could probably guess that we're going to be talking about what we're looking forward to at Gen Con 2017 which is, as we record this, in a smidge over two weeks, which seems really close. Yeah, that that can't be right, no. (laughs) I'm not ready. So, in the last couple of years when we've done an episode like this, we we sometimes talked about what we were planning on on doing at at Gen Con, and we're not going to really do that so much this year in the preview episode, because as... Most of our listeners are probably aware the new Legend of the Five Rings living card game premieres at Gen Con this year, and we're all big Legend of the Five Rings fans, so the bulk of our schedule looks something like play as much L5R as we can, which I don't know about you guys, but I, I is kind of makes this Gen Con weird for me. It's It's old school and also weird. I used to go to Gen Con almost exclusively to play in big tournaments things and over the last few years i shifted more and more to doing other stuff to the point where right like last year because there was no l5r i didn't do any sort of big tournament games the entire weekend was playing new games and doing interviews and then this year i get email about if i want to do an interview and i'm like uh, are you free on saturday afternoon or trade day, <laughs> and nobody's free on trade day because they're setting up their booths. But right, or trading the day. <laughs> so that's uh, interesting. Are you? Do you not qualify as an educator anymore, Jay, for trade day? No, no, I do not, since I no longer work with an education company. Aw. So what we're gonna focus on instead for this episode is specific games that we are looking forward to at Gen Con, and then when we get around to the other side of Gen Con and do our after Gen Con episodes, we'll give more of a breakdown of of what we end up doing, because, you know, it may depend greatly on how quickly we scrub out of the L5R tournaments, or to the extent that scrubbing out is a thing, I don't, like, I don't think scrubbing is really going to be a thing on the Thursday tournament. There's not like elimination rounds or anything in that. Right, right. I'm not going to scrub out of the Thursday tournament. I'm going to go get pulled out after a couple hours because I originally didn't get tickets, so I got a ticket for a thing at four, thinking I wasn't going to get in, and then they dumped the whole second wave of tickets. I'm going to be standing in line probably around 4 a.m. to get my copy since I never got a Thursday ticket. (laughs) I don't have a ticket for the Thursday one. I will be standing there with a fistful of generics and hoping that some of the, like, 700 people who are signed up for the event don't show up. (laughs) That's really my game plan. (laughs) Godspeed to all of us. Jay, you suck. Sorry. (laughs) Yes. 
I'm going to tell you guys, let me just, just spoiler alert. There is not going to be a lot of melodrama of what our most anticipated game is when we get to the end of our list. Just FYI. It's basically a top nine. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, if we go faster, that's probably for the better. Yeah. Because there's not a lot in the way of uh, overlap here, so we got a, a lot to churn through. Because I think the the Board Game Geek Gen Con preview has... 400-something games on it, I suppose. 447? Yeah, 434 as of the one that's up on my screen right now, but yeah. Either way, they're getting added constantly, even up through this week. And Fantasy Flight has messed these sorts of things up because they don't really announce things in advance anymore. Like, we know that official Gen Con things for Fantasy Flight or Legend of the Five Rings the Card Game, which they announced like a year and a half ago, and I believe the only other Fantasy Flight title that's on the Board Game Geek preview is the Game of Thrones-themed Catan, or yep. Settlers. Apparently I can't allowed to call it Settlers anymore, because everybody thinks I'm talking about Imperial Settlers. Oh well. Yeah, and so they tend to add things later, like my favorite game from last year, Mansions of Madness, that was released at Gen Con. It was announced, you know, three days beforehand, or whatever, the week, a week. And it was released to stores at the same time. Yes. <laughs> They're all about the drama. Surprise! Yeah, well, which in some ways is, it could be more relevant for, for people listening. Like, if you're not at Gen Con, the Fantasy Flight games may be the most relevant thing of the stuff coming out of Gen Con. But... And, and they do a lot of uh, expansions and whatnot, and I don't, I don't know what that list was. I mean, there definitely were expansions, but I don't know if they're listing, like, every you know, pack or whatever. And I think that's going to be a lot of what FFG brings. Yeah, well, that's a lot of their stuff now. It You know, wave this of X-Wing, wave that of Armada, Imperial Assault. Although I think the new Imperial Assault might be, is that dropping before Gen Con anyway? With how recently they showed it, I don't know. They, they showed, showed the second preview, so I feel like it's a 50-50 whether it's going to be a Gen Con at all. The uh, Imperial City with the wave, with Ahsoka, and Maul, and the Emperor. But okay, Mike, your number 10. My number 10 is actually the first game from uh, this publisher, which is Mondo, who is known for doing posters for movies. So they have uh, The Thing, is in John Carpenter's 1980 version of The Thing board game. They have the demo out. I haven't really seen any of the stuff for it, but I love that movie. And I haven't heard of the game designer or anything like that. The the visual design that they've shown looks really, really good. So I'm very excited to see it. It may be a complete flop. It may be a complete, it might be my favorite thing actually at there. I, I won't know, but I'm excited for it either way. <laughs> okay, Jay. All right, I'm going to cheat because I can't not mention this made in 11, but I have to mention the game Bees, which is a real-time dice-rolling bee-themed game, which sounds hilarious. And every time I hear about it, I can't not think of that Oprah gif where she releases the bees. <clears throat> anyway, my actual number 10 is Edge of Darkness, which is AEG's card-crafting game which I keep hearing some... I've not played Mystic Veil, but it keeps getting compared to Mystic Veil. It's it's a deck building, but then you're also... As you build 
your deck, you're also changing the cards that are going into it, and they're going into the communal pool in some way, and just sounds like fun to me. Yeah, and this one actually shows up on my list and on Mike's list, but what I would add to that is, if I'm not mistaken, Edge of Darkness was the original card crafting game that John Clare went to AEG and pitched this more complicated, heavier game that used the card crafting system, and AEG went, wow, that's a fun game, but first, (laughs) 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 we're going to take this card crafting thing and go bonkers with it. That's a slight exaggeration, right? Yeah, so they they released Mystic Veil at last year's Gen Con, and that used the card crafting. And this year at Gen Con, they will be releasing Custom Heroes, which is a a trick-taking ladder game using the card crafting system. And so Edge of Darkness will will just be available for demo, but I put this on my list because the card crafting thing is nifty, and I want to see what what John Claire actually originally intended it to be for, especially since, frankly, it, I mean, it sounds more interesting uh, and, and involved than, than the first two, which, which are deliberately sort of a, like, let's, let's get people used to this card crafting thing before we try to throw it in with a package of, of other mechanics. It, there's some deck building in edge of darkness, but it's not really what you'd, I mean, it's identified as deck building, but it's not really like that in the same way. Like, there is a shared deck, and you're doing things like claiming the cards in it. And so then when people use those cards to take actions, because it's, as they call it, it's card-driven work replacement, then if it's one of your actions, then you get something. So it's like you buying a building on a or more normal work replacement game. Right. Did you have anything else to add there about Edge of Darkness, Mike? Well, I was going to say, uh, play, I played Mystic Veil, and at first I bounced off of it a little bit. I think there was some, one of the people I played with had some really negative thoughts, and that kind of influenced me, but I picked it back up, and I picked it up with the two expansions, and they really do add quite a bit to it. But I still, you know, it's still kind of just a slight variation of uh, Dominion, even though the car crafting is, you know, different. It's still not that far off of Dominion. This seems like it's going to be the first thing that'll actually be really different. Not that I really know much about the trick-taking game that they're making, but um, so that's why part of why it interests me. Okay, that is Edge of Darkness, and I think that that is one of only two games that actually appears on on everyone's list. So my number ten, I I thought about a lot about whether or not to include something like this on here, and. And so my, my sort of preface is that I, when I was thinking about the games that were, were most anticipated for me, I, I was thinking about like what would be exciting to see. So there's a couple of things that are, are expansions or are like a new standalone version of something that like I know I like the game and I know I'm, I'm interested in the product, but it's I don't feel like I'm getting as excited. Like, there's another Guildhall iteration. There's an expansion for Splendor. And there's there's more versions of Codenames. And I literally like all of those things. But at some point, when it's like the third, fourth, and fifth versions of Codenames, it's hard to get as excited about it in the same way. And and one of those things is is sort of like how much you can get out of the demo. Like, 
Thunderstone Quest is being demoed. I'm Thunderstone Quest will be really cool, but you know the Kickstarter's over, and the actual release is a long way away. And I basically know the mechanics, so it's not like I'm really excited to go demo that. At Gen Con, I mean, I mean, I'll be excited to get the game when it comes out, but it really doesn't relate much to this Gen Con. But with that in mind, my number 10 is Pandemic Legacy Season 2. And if Pandemic Legacy Season 2 was available for purchase, it would probably be my number 2. Or at worst, 3. Because Pandemic Legacy Season 1 was amazing, and I you know, am just going to ignore the fact that Seafall was a dud last year. And <laughs> assume that it will be that you know that the legacy thing will be be back to greatness. But the reason I'm only putting it at number ten is that it's not available for purchase, and it's available to demo. But what the heck kind of demo can you do at a convention for a legacy game? Probably like the very first thing. Yeah, one that's got familiar me- where the, where the underlying mechanics are familiar. So it's not like your like maybe with Seafall, you could have gotten a demo because the the core mechanics of the game were completely new. Like I I imagine that Pandemic Legacy Season Two is going to be more of a deviation from the store the the core Pathfinder uh, core Pathfinder core Pandemic things, but maybe not. But either way, so that that I, I anticipate being awesome but just not a lot to do with it at Gen Con, so I will let it squeak in at number 10, Pandemic Legacy. So my number 9 for our Gen Con 2017 most anticipated is a game called Monster Slaughter, where you play a team of monsters, and there are a bunch of teenage victims, and you're all in like a cabin, and you're actually trying to get the victims killed in a certain order. I have a lot of friends who really like monster movies. I really like the artwork on this game. It seems like a lot of fun, so I'm looking forward to trying it out. My number nine is uh, another demo game. In fact, I got a partial demo of this back at ETX, but because of Destiny's going on, I didn't get a full demo, so I'm hoping to get a full demo at Gen Con. This is Thornwatch, the Lone Shark Games Penny Arcade story game where... You're the Thornwatch, the defenders of this wood, and there's various monsters that will come and attack, but it's very story-driven, and there's just really nice artwork and big... I mean, it's made up to look like a comic book and comic panels and so forth, and it's a cooperative team versus one DM type thing where the DM is controlling the monsters and... It was fun in a little bit, and I hope to get a full taste of it, because, yeah. Two sidebar there. So if you go to the Lone Shark booth, I think you will find this, the, the they've, they've definitely been doing some long development cycle games. That's a bit unfair for Thornwatch, because like, it was basically announced right before last year at Gen Con. But I, I, they have three games for this year listed as, like, that I would put in, like, the Gen Con games. And that's Apocrypha. And Numenera, the the ninth or it's the ninth world, the Numenera skill building game, and then Thornwatch, and that was their exact three, three games from last year. Apocrypha is now a release instead of a demo. The Numenera game is still a demo, although presumably a vastly more advanced demo. 
all, all those of of niftiness. I have like a whole list of things that like aren't on the top ten. My second sidebar is uh, if we're cro- cross our fingers, I, I maybe I'll get to go and cover uh, PAX Unplugged in November. We'll find out. Awesome. I'm seriously debating between that and PAX South, so I may see you there. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not much of a debate for me. Like that, it it turns out that now that I, I'm in in the Northern Virginia, you forget how close everything is on the eastern on the east coast once you get up here. Yeah, it's like a three three and a half hour drive. Only <laughs> if you don't yeah. even if you don't take the train. My number nine is Laser Riders, and this is from Greater Than Games. It's like the Tron light cycle racing is really what it looks like. It's got, you know, with the logo and uh, you construct laser paths to move your your bike around. And that's really a lot of it. You do have your own uh, distinctive characters, but programming, pressure luck in a maze, try not to crash into things. I'll just say I almost I almost took it back off the list because they insisted on spelling laser writers with Z's instead of S. And and I I get the point. It's like it's, it's supposed to be faux cool, but still, it makes it hard to search for. I keep trying to search for laser, and and feel like where is it on this list? Oh, it's not here. Apparently, this is a popular way to like title your game. It reminds me of the way that like the Thor Ragnarok trailer has like the the '80s light up mm-hmm. thing. It, it, it has been the thing of the past few years, but especially the past couple of years. I, yeah. I really like the art design for this game too. Edie's nostalgia is hitting hard. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got a, I've got a '90s game later on my list, but Laser Riders is from Greater Than Games, and it is for sale at Gen Con. Okay, so uh, my number eight, and this is a little bit, I really like it because it's actually different from this publisher. So Yellow has Mountains of Badness coming out this year. And normally, I thought about putting this list just as anything with that yellow style of art, because they have the really nice, detailed art that just draws me in no matter what the game is. But they're actually publishing Mountains of Madness, which is based on the Lovecraft novel. And that's also a little bit weird, because outside of Arkham Horror, the LCG, I've been so done with Lovecraft, it's not even funny. Like, I just, I'm tired of seeing two new Lovecraft games on the shelf every month. I just, can we, can we do something else? So, but this, I, I don't know, it, it's not that in-your-face, it's definitely got the Lovecraft themes of madness, it's definitely got the Lovecraft themes of, or, you know, it's basically directly based off of the book. But it's not the, okay, here's the tentacles everywhere. It's not the same exact design elements or, you know, uh, grim, dark stuff. There's definitely darkness, and I'm really drawn in by the idea that you actually have madness cards, which affect how you play in the game. So the expedition phase, there's like 30 seconds where everybody's deciding how much they're going to add to the expedition, and everybody is, like, getting these madnesses, and the madnesses dictate how you actually have to act during the 30 seconds. So you might have to just scratch yourself, or you might have to scream every time somebody says the word crate and not say anything for the rest of the round. Like, so it's a bit of, uh, you know, it's a cooperative game, so you're trying to help each other out, but at the same point, everybody's doing crazy. And the further you get up the mountain, apparently, like, the crazier things get. So I really liked that meta-ness of the game. One of the things I really liked about Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition 
is that when you actually got your uh, when you got your madnesses in that game, it would be something where you didn't read it to anybody else, and you actually had different victory conditions, and you had to like do those without telling anybody why you were doing them. And I really like that meta kind of madness aspect of the game. So yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this game. Hopefully, it'll will pan out. I believe it's available for purchase. Yes, it is. Those are great as long as I don't get the insanity that says you can't talk because that really does not work for me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. It does not, does it? So my eight is uh, Far Light by Game Salute. It's space-themed, which is already a plus in my book. It appears to be a bidding game, but also a little resource management and building, constructing. What you're doing is you're bidding on spacecraft parts or also missions that you send your spacecrafts off to do, and you need to go complete some missions and score points to, to do well. That sounds like fun to me. It looks really cool. Alright, now my number seven is one that was only just added to the list, and, and I'll admit I'm, I'm fairly low information on this one. And this is Spy Club from Foxtrot Games. It's for demo at Gen Con. It won't actually come out until next year. But I just looked at the cover art, and it reminds me of these like kids mystery books that I would read when I was younger, like Encyclopedia Brown or I guess Harriet the Spy, although that's not really quite the same sort of mystery solving. And it is a cooperative game where everybody is like a, I don't know exactly how old they are. Let's say they're 10, 12 year old, like junior detective society who are going around and trying to, collect clues and solve the mystery and it has multiple little like mini campaigns in it with a connected story that you play out over five games so i just thought that that was a a really nifty looking theme and art that that drew me in so that was my my number eight spy club from foxtrot games and then we already spoiled your number seven mike right yeah, I don't really have too much more to add to it because I don't. I'm looking forward to it. That was Edge of Darkness, so we'll just skip right on ahead to Jay. All right, so my number seven is The King's Will. I don't know a huge amount about this game, but it looks it looks to be a worker placement type, fairly standard game. But what really intrigues me is the the tag I saw. In The King's Will, players must discover the victory point conditions over the course of the game while also deciding on their own individual scoring. So that sounds really cool to me if it's done well of doing a worker placement game, but you don't know from the beginning what you're actually trying to accomplish. You just have to you have to figure that out. <laughs> Farming, industry slash manufacturing, medieval and territory building. And that is for sale. Yeah. From ADC Blackfire. So my number seven is actually not on the Board Game Geek list because my number seven is Star Trek Adventures from Modiphius. This is the fourth 
Star Trek role-playing game I will own. I have the old FASA one. I've never actually played it, and I don't know that it would go that well if it was actually played. I really liked the last Unicorn Star Trek role-playing game, and then the Decipher one was was decent, And so, but it's been a while since we've had a, a Star Trek role-playing game, and, and Star Trek Adventures covers that. It's It's sort of default time setting is basically right at the beginning of Deep Space Nine, right when Next Generation is ending and Deep Space Nine is beginning and Voyager is a few years away, but it has rules to support going back and playing in the the older time periods as well and like how to handle different ships from, uh, the, how the ships change over that length of time. It uses Modiphius's 2D20 system, although with uh, some modifications to make it feel specifically Star Trekky in in how it works. There actually should be a review of the game going up uh, on the Strange Assembly website before Gen Con. So my number seven that is is the is the Star Trek Adventures role playing game from Modiphius Entertainment. So my number six is the Legend of Korra Pro Bending Arena, which is from IDW Games. I, this is a demo only. I don't. I haven't really seen anybody post that much information about it. It's apparently something where you draft decks and then you play some kind of area control to try and push them off the platform, just like the game in the show in the Legend of Ava- uh, Legend of Korra show. But I love Legend of Korra, so unless it's a really bad game, I'm probably gonna love it. <laughs> and I thought Probending was one of my favorite was one of my favorite parts of that series. So yeah, uh, just please don't be bad. <laughs> That's funny. I remember seeing that one and going, "Legend of what the pro, what Probending? Oh, I don't even know what this is." <laughs> you know Avatar, right? As in the Last Airbender, as opposed yes. to the James Cameron. One. I'm aware that it exists, and people hated the movie they made out of it. I was gonna say, you know, that famous M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong movie. Uh, I think your your kids may be discovering it at some point. I don't know. It's great. It's really, really good. Both Avatar and Legend of Korra are amazing. They're good for everybody. I think you would enjoy them as well. Okay. We'll have my anime entry later in the... Uh... I'm just assuming <laughs> from the name that that's anime, right? It, it is not. It is uh, oh. Nickelodeon. It, okay. It's Nickelodeon, the, the style, because the world itself is very, like, it's like an amalgamation, it's like an approximation of Asian uh, countries, but, so the studio is, I believe, Taiwanese, because they've, uh, they were the same ones, they've been doing a lot of Netflix stuff, like they uh, did Voltron now, the new Voltron for Netflix. Sure. But yeah, anyways, that's not really board games, but yeah, it's really, really good. So what do you have for us, Jay? My whatever we're at six, I think. We are uh, at six. Between the expansion for Between Two Cities, Capitals. I really liked Between Two Cities, and I like what I've been hearing of how they have expanded it. It looks like they are adding... So if you've not played Between Two Cities, you're literally between two cities. All of the players are... It's tile drafting, and you're working on a city on your right with your partner to your right. You're working on a city to your left with your partner to your left, so you're working at the same time to build up both cities. This expansion is going to add boards so that you don't just, you know, lay tiles out 
into nothingness, into air. You have to work around the terrain that's already there. It also gives you uh, extra bonuses for specific types of layouts, and then a new tile type that has extra rules and extra scoring and stuff. I'm interested to see what that adds to a game that I really like. I had never even heard of this game, but it seems 100% up my alley. Between Two Cities? Yeah. It's yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I feel like it's the lowest profile Stonemeyer games, and certainly last year it got just blown out of the water attention-wise by Scythe. Well, yes. But what didn't, really? Right. So my number six is Dinosaur Island from Pandasaurus Games. This one will be available for a limited demoing. It is for demoing with like a pre-production copy. That's what it is. Remember I said earlier there was a 90s game? Yeah, this is it. So it's basically like Jurassic Park, as in each of you is designing your own dinosaur park with uh, Technicolor artwork and trying to figure out what will make the best park, you know, how to keep it clean, not kill your customers, that sort of thing. There are no expense. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm often a little skittish about singling out Kickstarter games after they're off of Kickstarter because you've sort of like missed the chance to get the super fancy mega ultra version and you can never get it again, so is it just taunting you to point it out? But Dinosaur Island was not dripping with significant Kickstarter exclusive things, so this is one that I can uh, I, I'm I'm comfortable saying, hey, go check this out. It's not that big a deal if you didn't hit it on the Kickstarter. There, I mean, there's some like I think there's just some aesthetic Kickstarter only stuff, but you know, dinosaurs are cool. You cannot go wrong with uh, you know a worker placement dinosaur game. So that is Dinosaur Island from Pandasaurus. I really like our lists because a lot of the stuff I was like, I put in my big list to narrow down to 10 is stuff that's on your guys' list. <laughs> yeah. We're on the second half. Mike, you are number five. Okay, so my number five is a bit of a, a hybrid. So one of the big things that seems, one of the big things that people are ca- uh capitalizing on or, or whatever are the escape room games. And I really like escape rooms. So exit, there's a couple of exit games which appear to be escape room games that are coming out. There is unlock I don't, in the list in the board game geek list, they have unlock and they have the three that are already out. And those have been out for at least a month, like a month, month and a half. And I guess that list is just like the newest stuff. But uh, those games come, the Unlock games come with an app. Uh, and I've already finished all three of those, and I love those, and I'm really looking forward to the other ones. But there were already other ones that were not available, I'm guessing, in the U.S., or maybe they just weren't available at all. And there have been updates that have, like, unlocked those, so I'm assuming a few more of those Unlock games are actually going to be coming out at Gen Con. And I'm assuming Asmodee, since they are, you know, they own Fantasy Flight now, I'm assuming they're kind of going to do the same thing, and maybe some of their stuff will show up, or at least this. I'm hoping there will be new Unlock, but any of the new Unlock, Exit, everything basically besides Time Stories, and it's not like I wouldn't like Time Stories, it's just Unlock $15 for like a one-time thing. I can get why people might have an issue with that, but 
I play enough of my games like one or two times that 15 bucks for a really good experience with like four or five good friends I could pass on if I want to. I can explain that to myself. 50 bucks for buying $35 expansions that are like basically one time only. I, I have a much harder time justifying the cost for, but that's so that's the only reason because I know it's got an expansion that's supposed to be at, uh, at Gen Con as well. But yeah, anyways, so that's my number five. Lumen Fide is the Time Stories expansion. I think that is that one also I it was already been out for like yes. a couple months. I don't know if it's a couple months, but I do think it's also out. Yeah, there are definitely things on the board game geek list that are already out that came out of the Origins or whatever. And I don't know what BGG's rules are for that, but I mean, I it's to some extent driven by what the publisher sends them. But yeah, I I, I think you're right. The the unlock stuff has been out. I think and but yeah, there's a whole mess of these unlock. Exit the game, escape room the game. So your your number five was every escape room thing game. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think there's actually an escape room at Gen Con this year if you want to try to find that. Ooh. You have to find the room to escape it? I guess. <laughs> I've heard the rumor I'm already doing two drum, true dungeons, so that seems like enough room space things for me, but who knows? Also, I, I will point out that on the the list, since it's unclear how they do it, I did disqualify from my own list Sagrada because I've already got a copy of that, and it's quite a bit of fun. But as for my actual number five, uh, it's a game called Alien Artifacts, published by Portal Games, which is a 4X card game, which, you know, the, again, you, got, you have me at 4X. I like 4Xs. But what's interesting is the resource engine, you have three double-sided resource cards, and basically each turn you get to use two sides out of that to figure out what you're actually going to be doing in that turn, and general 4X fun of explore, exploit, exterminate, exterminate, and whatever the fourth X is that I never remember. Expand. Expand. Yep. Yes. So, my number five is going to continue a theme that I'm I'm not sure how uh, enthused I am about us doing this, but there's, I, I think it, it comes up because of just how overwhelming these things are and because of the whole point, that the whole fact that the point is that there are things that have not really been played much, and that's we get hit so much by the theme, and of course... By the time everything is said and done, okay, the theme's a nice draw, but then how does it play? And, you know, there's probably going to be some brilliant Euro-style game there that looks just bland from the box, but then it it turns out to be great. But here we are with, uh, so I'm going to go with kind of the epitome, the epitome of this, and that is, my number five is Cowboy Bebop, the board game from (laughs) Jasco. And the reason I'm singling this out as the sort of epitome of this is, this is what I know about the game. This is what has been announced about the game. It's called Cowboy Bebop the Board Game, and it's a co-op, I think. Yep. And it's available for demo. That... <laughs> That's... Well, also, it gives you the real folk blues. <laughs> it's like the Legend of Korra, right? It's just, I really like that property. I really hope this is good. <laughs> yeah. So, as I have mentioned on the show before, Cowboy Bebop is my favorite anime ever. 
So I kind of dread the live action version that is coming coming up because that just never goes well. The live action remake of of an anime, but that's okay. That doesn't mean that it's uh, going to go that the board game can go badly. And they did. I, I and Jasco had the the in demo form last year. They had the the Buffy the Vampire Slayer cooperative board game. So they're uh, I think expanding out a little bit because I still mostly think about them as as their their card fight Vanguard. No, no, no. They're versus. I thought Upper Deck made that. Oh, I'm sorry, not versus UFS. They're UFS. UFS, Ultimate Fighting System. I'm sorry, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We both, <laughs> both got right to the side. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so, but, I mean, that's 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 still, I think, what they're primarily associated with, but they've they've been expanding into uh, the board games. And the Buffy game was, was decent. I mean, it wasn't, you know, like, wow, you amazing, but, you know, it was a fun Buffy-themed co-op. I thought Buffy was Upper Deck. Um, was it Jessica? I know they had a Mega Man board game. Yes, that was Jasco. Uh, you are thinking of something else, which we will get to higher on my list. <laughs> okay, never mind. I apologize. <laughs> At least I Spoilers. think. That's my guess. Yeah. So we're up to number four. So back to you, Mike. So number four is a game called Ex Libris. It is a game where you go around collecting books to become the master librarian. And I have an inordinate an ordinate amount of librarian friends who and just book nerds who are incredibly excited for this game because it's basically their life in a game form or as they wish it could be. So <laughs> the art looks great. It's gotten a lot of really good buzz, so I'm I'm looking forward to that one. I think it's available for sale. It is available for sale and it's from Renegade Game Studios. This was on the the short list as it were. It just there wasn't quite enough information about the mechanics. And the theme wasn't quite as much of a draw as the ones in my my actual top ten, but it was on my was it was on my short list. So yeah, Exlibris. All right. Uh, so my number four is a game called Whistle Stop by Bezier Games. Oh wait, wait! I know this one. I know this. This is the one that's based on the license on the John Dickerson Political History podcast, right? <laughs> Deep pull, deep pull. No, this is this is a very rare theme for board games. It is a train themed game. <laughs> a train themed board game. Yeah. What will they think of next? Really rare. So that's that's part, definitely part of the assignment is how rare such a treat is. But it's it's a pick up and deliver mechanic where you're shipping goods west. But it also looks like it has an interesting, you're building out the board as you're playing the game. So you sort of have this pressure luck mechanic, too, of, okay, I've got my goods from the east, I'm going west, I've got somewhere I can drop it. Do I drop it here for a little bit of reward, or do I keep going going out west to see what, maybe there's a bigger payoff coming? That just sounds interesting to me, of this balancing mechanic of, building up a railroad, pressing your luck on when you should stop shipping it. I want a John Dickerson theme. I'd be okay with Face the Nation, the board game. No? It doesn't have to be Whistle Stop. I would probably play that, yes. (laughs) Quick, let's form a board game publishing company and get the rights. (laughs) I can't imagine there's a lot of demand for them. (laughs) No, no. 
Okay, so my number four is legendary Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah. Which is why I, I was I was saying that might be what you were thinking of, Mike, because that, of course, is Upper Deck. Nope, uh, because they have an expansion coming out for the other co-op board game, which is what I was thinking, although I did see that legendary one. Friends and Frenemies is the expansion for the Buffy the Vampire Slayer board game, but that is also from Jasco. Gotcha. So Legendary Buffy, I'll admit I was a little disappointed that this is Legendary Buffy instead of Legendary Encounters Buffy. But still, I like Buffy. I like Legendary. I have played a lot more Legendary, honestly, than I ever thought I would because my six-year-old can sort of play and is super enthusiastic about superheroes. So there has been a lot of Marvel Legendary played over the last year. At that level, you can play it as co-op. Yes, yes. We, oh, no, we, we just play it as a co-op, yeah. Yeah. We don't play it in the default semi-cooperative mode. But I guess there's not necessarily a lot to say about this one. It does not just use exactly the same legendary mechanics. There are some twists to it, like night and day things that affect... You know, right, because that, that I hear is relevant for, like, vampires and stuff. And just monsters in... On the later seasons, Spike would just throw a blanket on and be good. Well, yeah, there's that too. I think it's broader than just than just that. Now, I'm not sure exactly how far it covers. There's only five big bads in the game. So I'm, I'm not sure what it does or doesn't cover. Because, well, yeah, that's right, there's... There's only five big bads, but there's also potential slayers, and there being swarms of potential slayers was not really a thing in the first five seasons. No. So, I don't know exactly what is going to be picked. I mean, we know that, like, the Master and Angelus are going to be, and since there are initiative soldiers, I'm guessing that, you know, the initiative is going to be a big bad. I'm hoping one of the big bads is Season six ba- big Season six's big bad of crippling depression. <laughs> 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 yeah, I I was thinking, yeah, yeah, somewhere in there, one of the big bags is like Buffy's inability to deal with life. Uh, yeah. For me, that's any time I play Legendaries, the crushing depression. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, which liked- is just me. No, I, I hate Legendary. I've got friends at uh, the store that I go to who play Legendary all the time, and I've actually tried playing it a couple of times again with him, and I, I still just do not like that game, which I know is just me, but, you know. That's okay. You're you're you are allowed to not like games that other people like. It is fine. Nope. <laughs> I'm glad this is a thing. <laughs> so that is my number four, legendary Buffy from Upper Deck, and it is for sale at Gen Con. My number three is Genesis, right? So it's the FFG kind of semi generic role playing system, or I guess it is generic role playing system. This is not listen on board game geek but they actually threw up some demo slots and i i follow Kastrina ostrander on twitter and she uh, tweeted something out about them adding slots for the role playing game for the genesis role playing game and so they they actually have some rune bound scenarios um and actually like rune bound i think it could potentially be an interesting scenario although i don't know we've ever gotten quite enough to really say one way or the other but I just am excited for this because I'm, I'm assuming, educated guess, that Legend of the Five Rings is probably going to come out as a source book. I'm guessing they're going to finally do Netrunner Android 
uh, not Netrunner, but Android, the setting will probably come out in this. And I really like the system for Star Wars, and I think I, I could definitely see where it's just kind of a generic system and could work for basically anything. So I'm really excited for it. It's just a demo. I don't even know if they'll have anything beyond those demos. The ticketed demos, I would guess, hazard a guess, they might have a booth because they did that with Star Wars when they, this, whenever the Star Wars books came out. So that is my number three. Yeah, I remember when we, uh, we, we talked about that when they announced that and we had it on the, the podcast. You must be happy about the Runebound thing, because I, I, I think I was like, oh, it'll be L5R, and it'll be Arkham Horror Files, and you're like, and Runebound? Don't forget they have Runebound. <laughs> well, right, they seem to be building worlds. That's kind of like what they want to do now, so yeah. this definitely seems like uh, right up that alley. Uh, no, no, I think you're, I mean, obviously you're right. I thought you were right at the time, that yeah, why would they not make Eternal one? I hear fantasy role-playing it has long roots. yes. The graphic design for Runebound has always been something that I've really liked, although I have heard, I think a lot of people just kind of think of it as more generic. I, I do too, but I think it's just, I don't know, I played a lot of Runebound, the actual board game, that first board game that came out, and like I, I played second edition and the newest edition quite a bit, and I really like the things that are in it, and I like all the games that came out with it, so the only thing I don't think I ever liked was that deck builder they put out, which was not very good, but anyways... <laughs> The hilarious thing about was the, about that is that literally the I, I maybe I'm mistaken maybe I'm missing something but I think literally the only Terranoth game I have ever played is Rune Age, which I own. <laughs> yeah, wait, did did you never play Descent? I I feel like I've I guess I've I played like a game of Descent at some point, so I guess that that is also. And uh, the the when they redid the dragon, the red dragon, I, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's one where you go into the dungeon and like you're going to get treasure and the dragon eventually wakes up. They redid that as Runebound as well. I don't know if you ever played that one, but yeah, anyways. Nope. nope. Yeah, that is, that, that is your account. I always be, not that Fantasy Flight gives us RPGs to review, but if they, or anything. But, you know, if if, if we got a review copy of the, the Terranoth supplement for Genesis or whatever it is, that is uh, your project, okay? Woo! I'm good with this because <laughs> I'm gonna. I'd, that'd be it'd be sort of interesting. We could have you, you. You could have a review from the the point of view of somebody who is who knows everything about Terranoth, and then I can write about like I don't know what this place is. Here's what I oh. think about. It. Well, yeah. After I read the book, I guess. Actually, I one of the things I didn't make it on this list because this isn't really a guess because I know they're doing demo games. Uh, the, another the next one on my list is a guess. One of the other things I was thinking about putting on my list uh, that I didn't, but it was also a guess, is the Rune Wars miniatures game. The elves should be coming out around the time of Gen Con, so I'm assuming the elf faction will be out for Gen Con, and I've been waiting <laughs> six months to play this game for that faction to come out. So, yeah. <laughs> Go elves. All right, number three, Jay. This is my turn for a licensed game that I really hope won't suck. <laughs> Mistborn House War by Crafty Games. So it's interesting, if you're not familiar, this is based on Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn series, and you are actually playing the game as the antagonist of the series, where so the book is about the peasant class uprising and throwing over their overlords. This game, you are playing the nobility class 
so the the game is you're trying to suck up to the overlord, use your resources that you get to be the best friend of the overlord that you can be. And so one of the mechanics of it is there are problems that need to be solved. And the interesting thing is one of those problems is the protagonist of the novel. And if you successfully defeat the protagonist of the novel, then at the end of the game, whoever is best buds with the emperor gets to win. If you don't successfully defeat the protagonist, then the emperor gets overthrown, and whoever is least buds with the emperor, they get to win and not get beheaded by the peasant uprising. This is a Kevin Wilson game, so I would at least play it once. Yeah. So my number three was Edge of Darkness, which we've already discussed, so I'll kick it back to you for your number two, Mike. So number two is my big guess, but I think it's a pretty safe assumption, which is the Arkham Horror LCG Path to Carcosa Big Box. I am guessing at least the big box is going to be at Gen Con, and I would not be surprised if the first pack was also at Gen Con. I love this LCG. It is just great. There's so much different room. It can be a little bit frustrating building your deck at times because you want to, you know, the impulse for me is to min-max, and some of the cards are just like, this is very kind of strange. But, you know, it's also a co-op game, so it doesn't need to be super busted because there are a few things that are super busted, and it's like, maybe I don't even want to play with those because they're so good. But either way... It's a lot of fun. The Path to Carcosa stuff that they've previewed is really cool. They have one of the new heroes. Normally, each of the heroes is from one of five classes, and one of the heroes uh, in the new set does not have a class, but can switch her class because she's an actress, so she can switch her class every round, and then she can only play neutral cards and the cards of the class that she's picked for the current round. And then in her deck, she can pretty much put basically whatever she wants. And even the characters that do are from one of the factions, they have slightly different deck building. Like the Shaman, I think she can put any mystic cards in any uh, anything that has spell uses or something like that in her deck, up to like level three. Not that there's really much, because she's the purple mystic, and not that there's a whole lot of that outside of mystic, but it's still <laughs> cool to see like the different ways they're going to do deck building, because I, I think that's going to be one of the more interesting ways in the game, uh, that they like, expand it and uh, that will keep the game interesting. But yeah, so I'm very excited for that. Um, so that's my number two, and I'm hoping I can pick that up at Gen Con. Okay. So my number two is a game called Fugitive, published by Fowers Games. This is a two-player game where one person is the fugitive who's trying to make it out of town while they're pursued by the other player who's some sort of, you know, police detective or agent or whatever who's chasing them. So the fugitive is playing cards face down, trying to escape, while the agent guesses the cards to turn them face up. And either the fugitive reaches their goal and wins or all the cards get face up, in which case the fugitive gets caught and the agent wins. So that sounds like a fun two-player bluffing logic-type game. So my number two is the second entry on my list that is not on the BGG list, and that is the Starfinder role-playing game, a.k.a. Pathfinder in Space, or whatever it ends up being. So... 
Pathfinder is pretty awesome. And I think that Starfinder will be pretty awesome. It's kind of interesting in the generalized failure of the role-playing game industry to create long-lasting, successful science fiction role-playing games. It's sort of like all relies on licensed stuff in a way that fantasy never has. There's never like a generic space game, it's always a Star Wars game or a Star Trek game or, you know, whatever the, the flavor of the week is. The, the stuff that I think about, like alt, like when, you know, Wizards of the Coast and TSR had some of these, like, alternity, and they never really seemed to, to stick around with any same way. So I have hopes that Paizo will be able to pull that off because they're really, they've done a, really a quite a good job world building with Galarian in the Pathfinder setting, and so I hope that they will be able to do that here in a way that gives Starfinder a lot of legs. In addition to, I would be shocked if it was not mechanically excellent. And that is Starfinder, the Starfinder role-playing game from Paizo. So I'm just going to skip the head and say, okay, all of our number ones are Legend of the Five Rings, the card game. It is for sale at Gen Con. You will have to stand in line to get it. And if you would like to hear more about the awesomeness of Legend of the Five Rings, you can listen to like every other episode we've done for the last three months. <laughs> right? Pretty much. Yeah. For the yeah. perpetuity of this podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Go back and listen to episode one. Please don't mind the terrible audio quality. So, uh, something that I... Uh, I thought it would be interesting to do, and I will go ahead and get the most up-to-date information as of when we are recording this, which means it you know, won't be up-to-date by the time you hear us, but hey, uh, we'll see what we can do. And I, I thought it would be interesting to look at what the sort of most anticipated previews are by some other metric than our own opinion, and that... Board Game Geek now has this new Geek Preview feature that they're using for the first time for Gen Con 50. So that means that one can kind of uh, can do like more sorting and more identifying of, of what you're interested in and, and that sort of stuff. So I, I thought it would be interesting to see what everyone else had as their top 10. So... Not that we're going to really talk about them at length or anything. So the tied for 10th place is Dinosaur Island and Rising Sun. Rising Sun, the Japanese-Asian-themed area control negotiation miniatures game from CMON. That's just a demo, right? Because that Kickstarter ended a couple months ago, and I thought it was like a year before those production copies were coming out. That is correct. That is just a demo. Yeah, Dinosaur Island is just a demo. Number nine is Ex Libris, which, as we mentioned earlier, is for sale. Number eight is Cities of Splendor, which is an expansion for Gasp, Splendor. It's actually four mini expansions that, at least according to their information, you are not supposed to play together. Although I'm sure someone will try to. Probably me. For a lot of people will not pay attention and just do it anyway. <laughs> some of them may not be compatible. Like one of them replaces the nobles with something else. And then another one 
requires you to use the nobles, I think, for something it interacts with, so they may not all be compatible, but still, I mean, it it'll be interesting to see how that that one works out. I I will certainly try that out at some point, but it is it will be for sale at at Gen Con. Number uh 7 was Whistle Stop. There you go, Jay. Yay. Number 6 is Hellas and Elysium, which is an a yes. an, ex- an expansion for terraforming Mars. I'm sure what? that will be well, I mean I'm sure all of these will hop because they're on the the list here. That one will be in my bag. Let's acknowledge, right, of course, that Board Game Geek is not representative of the entire universe, but it's probably more representative of me than a lot of other people. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Terraforming Mars was a really good game. It was our preliminary game of the year for 2016. I've been thinking we should really just move up when we hand out the final game of the year. Like, I don't know if anyone really cares, like, by the time it's the end of 2017, what we thought about 2016. Maybe, like, just declaring it in the summer is good enough. I don't know. You'd be correct. We can make trophies and then hand them to publishers at, at Gen Con. If you if you pick Terraforming Mars, you'd be correct for 2016 because that game is great. My personal favorite game of 2016 was Terraforming Mars. I I'm mean, sorry was was Mansions of Madness. I think at the time we did the voting for the preliminary game of the year, I had Terraforming Mars third. It was in my top five. I think it was third. But the yeah. overall, because I do not just dictate what the awards are, the overall was Terraforming Mars. So, uh, but yeah, so that is a, it's 20 bucks. So we're not talking a giant expansion here, but that will be for sale from Stronghold Games at Gen Con. The number five games is, number five uh, on the list is First Martians Adventures on the Red Planet. This is a Exploring Mars re-implementation of Robinson Crusoe Adventure on the Cursed Island. And that's from Portal Games. A second entry from Pandasaurus Games is number four, the uh, Wasteland Express Delivery Service, which is for sale. It's for sale at my local, friendly local game shop. I picked it up, looked at it, said, hmm, okay, and put it right back on the shelf. <laughs> First Martians, the people who pre-ordered it from Portal Games, they already have it or should already have it. So, and that's, I, I don't know if it's in stores yet, but yeah, it's, it's not like it's one of those things that comes out of Gen Con. will be available for our Wasteland Express. Apparently, is already out. <laughs> so the number three on the list is Codenames Duet. It is available for sale. Codenames Marvel and Codenames Disney. Those are actually from USAopoly instead of Czech Games Edition, and they're five bucks more each. But they're only available for demo. I mean, they're not this high on the list because they're separate entries but I'm just mentioning them because you know Codenames is pretty cool <laughs> they're available for it's going to be the exact same game it's just, <laughs> okay sorry that is correct I mean it, it's got <laughs> pictures and words and yeah and it's got pictures of superheroes or Disney characters that's right I'm just saying you can't buy them right or at least not according to the board game VP. number two is Sagrada which as was pointed out is already out yeah, I like that uh, game. It's fun. Yeah. And then number one was Pandemic Legacy, season two. So not surprising that that is a hot thing. All right. So that was each of our sort of 10 most anticipated games at, at Gen Con. We'll see how many of those we get to play or buy there. 
around all the Legend of the Five Rings that we will be involved in. And mm-hmm. then <laughs> and then after that, uh, we will you'll hear from us again after Gen Con about both Legend of the Five Rings and and everything else that'll if we do that as we have done it in the past, that will be more than one episode of Gen Con coverage. So, do you guys had had any other uh, burning pre-convention observations we wanted to make about something other than Legend of the Five Rings? Indianapolis. <laughs> Indianapolis, hotter and, and, moist, and more moist than you think? Ah, <laughs> uh, God, in more ways than one. <laughs> I don't even know what that's supposed to mean, but yes, it it does remind me of Atlanta quite a bit, and especially recently. I know you guys don't know this, although I heard up in Seattle they've been uh, getting the one week of terrible weather. Is yeah, week. it's actually it's actually hot lately. I'm confused. It's been like that for like three months here, so you know. Yeah, except you guys are used to it, so you have AC. <laughs> Fair. That's the flaw in this plan. Yes, it's only the one week, but because we're not expecting it, there's not AC. <laughs> you just go find some sweet tea to drink, right? That'll work. It's like the flip side of when there's a sprinkling of snow and Atlanta shuts down. Yeah. <laughs> We've well, gotten better, though. Thanks, global warming. You. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta, Atlanta had a very mild winter, and I think the what year before that was very mild as well. That is for sure. Me, I moved to a, a, a metropolitan area that was built on a swamp. So, you know, uh, there are a lot of bugs here. draining that and putting new swamp water in. All right, so that's that's um, Strange Assembly bonus weather segment. You're welcome. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there in Apple Podcasts or in the Google Play Music Store. If you listen to us on one of those services, or heck, even if you don't, uh, we always appreciate it if you leave us a rating or review. That helps other people find the show. In addition to our website, you can find us at some of the usual social media places. We are facebook.com slash strangeassembly and at strangeassembly on Twitter. Uh, I always like to hear from our readers and listeners directly, so you can email me. I am chris at strangeassembly.com. But until then, for Mike Cook and Jay Earl, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. Now I'm going to go play the Dalek-themed 4X game. Exterminate! 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 And explore, because you got to find something to exterminate. I was kind of expecting you to just go bees. <laughs> that, that was also an option, yes, but I already did that one, so. 